All right, a jam-packed Friday episode of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. There is almost too much information to get. Show to. plans itself today. Yeah. Show plan itself. We we will talk about Miami some because that's a basketball game coming up. Debundo's digits will have that. But we got to start with the news on Benny Williams out for the season. And I don't know if you heard, but Jim Beheim was talking about the succession plan a little bit this week. He was out on the town causing some uh, commotion, I guess you could say. So we'll dive into all of that on the Locked On Syracuse podcast today. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every single weekday, Monday through Friday, only place for daily SU pods. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky, happy you could join us. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts if you haven't already. So let's start out with the Benny Williams news before we get into the really fun discussion in just a second on the succession plan and everything. Benny is out for the season. Seems like it's a minor injury, but it's going to put him out about four weeks, according to Bayheim. I think the big takeaway for me on this is Coach Bayheim did his radio show yesterday and said that he was asked, will the NIT be something they're interested in this year if it comes to that? And he said with the news of Benny and Samir and Jesse, it might not be worth it this year because a lot of the reasons why you do an NIT is to get Benny some extra time, is to get Samir some extra time. Now it's kind of like you'd just be getting Barama some extra time or Cole right. Swider, who are guys that aren't coming back next year. So I don't know if it officially rules it out, but it certainly felt like Beheim was hinting at that a little bit. I would say the only other reason that maybe you do it is if you host a, an early game to, I'd have to refresh myself on the NIT rules, but if you host a game, he may want to do it so Buddy Jimmy can have one more game at home too. But then it'll be kind of awkward because right. tomorrow is the senior day, and then you have another right. day. Like it's, I will say this: it's different because it's Buddy and Jimmy. Yeah, I think if is if this were any other senior, it doesn't really matter. But Buddy and Jimmy means a little bit more for. But I'm with you. Like, for the most part, if Syracuse declined an NIT invitation, I'm not losing sleep over it. I'm more losing sleep over the fact that they're not in the actual NCAA tournament. Right. So I think that's where it's heading. On Benny's season, it's, I guess, sort of frustrating that he's got this injury and we missed some additional games for him to develop confidence. But at least we had the Duke game, right? And at right. least that was a recent game in his memory bank going into next year. I look at it as, did I see enough splash moments this year? No. Out of Benny, I, I expected a lot more, obviously. And even as I adjusted my expectations as the season progressed and he had some down games, I still think I didn't see enough splash moments, games as a whole, too. But there are certainly some positives you can take away. The Duke game, I think, is is a real positive heading into next year. And you can kind of handicap the the UNC game with, oh, he got injured in it. So there's only so much you can do with an injury, right? Um, but I, I think that next season you're going to see a totally different Benny Williams, yeah. especially if this is a minor injury. My biggest thing was when I saw that he's going to miss the remainder of the season, I just said, I hope this doesn't bleed into, into the summer, where he's missing some time in the summer where he can really improve his game because that's where these transformations are made. And we saw so many players this past season take a sophomore leap. You look in the Big Ten, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis, sophomore leaps there. Can right. Benny be that guy that takes the sophomore leap? 
and and do it at a high level. Not saying he has to be in the player of the year conversation next year, but can he be in the all ACC conversation next year? Certainly would change the trajectory of a lot of preseason predictions. Yeah, and I'm excited for his future for yeah. sure. I think he hit everything on the head there. And I think so. the other thing we need to note with Benny too, he's coming back. I, I feel yeah. very strongly about this. He will he come back. He just said it after the Duke game. So he's reiterated it as much as you possibly could throughout a season. Seems like Coach Beheim thinks that way too. I wouldn't be too worried about it, and I usually have my guard up these days with that type of conversation. Yeah, but same. let's go into the big comments from the week. Jim Beheim. Oh Calls into Brent Axe's show unplanned during the this monologue. This is the beauty of Bayheim. This is yeah. the beauty of it. For, Only for coach in America that would do for, this. The, exactly. And he's done it before. Like, this is not a new concept for him just randomly calling in. Like, no, J Jim from Fayetteville calls in, all right, yeah. frequently to this program unannounced. And, and the funny thing is he has a planned interview on the same station the next day at 1.30 with Paulie and Steve, and he has his coach's show, but he just had to call in and get it off his chest the day he before, loves I guess, Axe, I think. And, and I think the conversation. It, part of it is he really respects Brent Axe, I think, too. And, that, yeah. that's not and I think he, he was a little upset guys, but... with Brent Axe's article, which started it. So, But he did say stuff that he respects Brent for the most part, and it does seem like I enjoy their back and forth because you can tell Brent Axe is just trying to find the right time to jump in and coach Beheim's great. He's going to say what's on his mind, but it also, you don't know when he's done with this point. It's very long winded right. and it's unclear when and you there's think a stopping it's, point. Yep. You think it's done. And then all of a sudden it's not, I right. will say this, this is the beauty of coach Beheim for, for media folk like us. It's that these are closed door conversations that he has in a public forum. Yeah. A lot of like a lot of coaches in America have this same interaction that Beheim had with Brent Axe, but they happen on a private phone call. They happen when you get pulled aside in a media room before right. or after a press conference. That's when these sort of conversations happen. But for him to do it in a public forum on a, a radio station in Syracuse, it's nice for us and it's nice for the fans too, just to yeah. have more transparency within the program. I am a little unclear on his motive for doing it at this point, but I think he just said it and didn't really put a ton of thought into it maybe. But anyway, my biggest take doesn't from care. He, he's, yeah. he's done caring about hiding it and everything right. like that. So the fact that they have a plan is not that surprising, right? No. It's, it's understood. And honestly, I think coach Beheim is just talking about his contract really more than anything. When he says we have a plan and we've always had a plan and we had a plan when I was 35, it was to coach five years. We had a plan when I was 50, it was to coach five years. My biggest takeaway though, from hearing this conversation, don't know anything here, still a guess, but I feel like he's a guy that next year is going to be his last year. And my guess is next year's his last year. And the plan is to give the keys to Red Autry. I think everyone assumes it's Jerry McNamara, but Red is the associate head coach. So that was the takeaway for me after having this conversation or hearing this conversation from Bayheim is that we should be expecting next year to be his last year. And that's just a pure guess. No, you know, sourcing on that, but that's just my takeaway from the conversation. I would agree with you on next year being his last year. I, I feel pretty strongly about that, but Hey, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either per se. Cause again, this has been such a wishy washy back and forth thing. When is it actually going to happen? Is there a plan? Oh, now there is a plan. Well, there wasn't a plan before it's just gone. So back and forth through this entire process where could he, 
could we get a, a notification on our phone in two months saying he's done? Yeah, we could. Could we get a notification on our phone in two months saying, oh, he's going to hang around for three more years? Yeah. Everything is so up in the air right now for me. I, I'm at the point now where no outcome would surprise me, really. Right. But I'm with you. If I had to guess, next year would be his last. And part of my thinking on that is I do believe he's talking about his contract when he says we have a plan in place. And that's why he was bringing up when he was 35, when he was 50 as a comparison, because that's mm -hmm. what he means. His contract is never fully known how many years it is. But let's do some thinking here. His last year was supposed to be the 2017-18 season. Right before that season, Mike Hopkins leaves for Washington. On March 19, 2017, SU announces a contract extension. Right. So he was probably under contract already for 17-18. Mm -hmm. Since then, next year it would be five years from that point. I feel like the typical it's years for a contract extension is five years. They're not going to give him six, seven years when he would be 78, 79 in those years. That's just silly. I feel like, so they probably agreed on a five-year contract extension. Don't know anything, but the way he was saying everything was five years before that, when he brought up the examples of 35 and 50 years old, mm -hmm. maybe this is just his contracts up after next year. And he's known that all along. And that's why, you know, he's recruited this class and told them he's going to be back next year. And Brent Axe asked him, what do you tell future recruits now? And he said, you know, I'll, if it's a recruit we really want, we'll explain that to him. But I'll tell them that I'm coaching for a little bit longer, not a long time. And I think just his whole stance on everything, how he basically said, I don't really want to go further than I will be back next year. That was one of his quotes. He said, I'll definitely be back next year, but I don't want to go further than that. I just feel like it's next year and that's when his contract's up. It makes sense. And doing the math on it like you did makes a whole heck of a lot of sense too. I will say uh, he seems like a guy who is, I'm going to finish the job, right? And yeah. playing out your contract is the definition of finishing the job right there. And, and five is a logical number, especially with someone like Coach Beheim, where you're really just, once you got to a certain point with him, you're just re-upping. It's a formality that you're just re-upping a contract at a certain right. point, right? Because what you just have to do is, like, the loyalty is mutual there between Syracuse basketball and Jim Beheim, He was never going to go and bolt to another program, and Syracuse really was never in the market to find a new coach. So you're just – it was a formality of re-upping every five years, and this is like – like you said, this could be the end of that next five-year timeline there when he signed that extension back in what, – what was it, 2018 right there? So, yeah, it makes a, a lot of sense. 2017. Yeah. yeah. So this would be the end of the five years. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Another thing I want to get into after we take a little break here is his comments about Coach K and how he's one of 100 coaches and that doesn't necessarily mean Syracuse is going to go about it that way announcing before the season. We'll discuss that in just a second, but March Madness is only about a week away now. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running our brackets with Run Your Pool Dot com Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks, all stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, RunYourPool.com can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees 
or even gain customers. Plus, they offer full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets. They're ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com backslash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter pure madness, all one word, at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com backslash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Hey, it's March. You know what that means. Don't lie to us. You have already thrown out your New Year's resolutions. Unless your New Year's resolutions was to eat right and you've been using Built Bar as a part of that plan because it feels like it's not a resolution just because of how much you enjoy eating them. Have you tried their puffs yet? Because if not, you're missing out on the best of the best there. That is the cream of the crop. The puffs are protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They are a true treat, and they're covered in 100% chocolate, whether it's the yummy cinnamon churro coconut marshmallow banana cream pie all of them are so good they're bound to be your new favorites and they are covered like i said in 100 real chocolate so go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart and you'll be blown away high protein low calorie high fiber low carb and compare that to a candy bar which usually has around 240 calories 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs this has just 130 calories four grams of sugar four net carbs and 17 grams of protein. And don't forget about their traditional flavors as well. The mint brownie, coconut alban, or our favorite on the show, the peanut butter brownie. And new for this month, the white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. So be sure to check back often at Built.com. At Built Bar, they are about the taste, and they make it delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So getting back into these comments on Coach Beheim, I think we're both in agreement that our best guess right now is next year is his last year. The next conversation becomes, does he announce before the season like Coach K, or does he announce after the season like Roy Williams and, as he said, 99 out of 100 coaches typically Mm -hmm. do. He's made it very clear this week that he feels it's highly unusual to go about it the way Coach K did. Which is interesting to me because if you listen to his comments this week, it makes it seem like he's not going to do the before the season thing. But then I pulled back the quote from right after the Coach yeah. K news in June on a June 3rd article from Donna DeTota at Syracuse.com where he was asked about Coach K and the news and a number of different things. And here's the quote. He said, I think originally he, meaning Coach K, might have wanted to wait to get through the year, but I think he had to be able to recruit honestly. Like, if I was going to retire after this year, I'd have to do it now so that recruits could know who the coach was. The recruits at Duke know John Shire is going to be the coach. When he first said that quote, I was like, all right, boom, that's confirmation that he's going to do it before the season because he believes in clarity for recruits, and that's clearly a huge part of his framework and timeline here, and his motivation for doing this the right way is making sure recruits understand who their coach is. But now these recent comments, I'm not really sure. Where do you stand on if you had a guess right now, if he's going to announce before the season or after the season? I think it'll be before the season. And let me lay this out there too. I do think having the coach and waiting sort of deal is smart as well. That's why to me, I just, I, I think the way that Duke did it was the right way to do it. You lay out timeline. And when he says 
Coach K is one in a, a hundred. Well, I love Jim Beheim into that conversation too of being right. sort of one in a hundred. I mean, how <laughs> many been there coaches? Forty seven years. If right. It's next year. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I'd lump him into that one in a hundred conversation as well. I don't think it's it's outlandish to think that just because Coach K did it one way, Jim Beheim can't do it the same way. Even though Coach K maybe did it a little differently. How many guys get to go out on their own terms like that? And I know he said that he's not, he's never had say in an AD. He's never had say in this, that, and the other, but he has say if he wants to pick a guy, the, the pick is his. And I don't think Jim Beheim's going to be one of those guys who he's going to be breathing over the shoulder of the next guy in line. I do think he's going like, he'll go to games. Obviously he'll, he'll do what Roy has done this year. I think. That, that to me is sort of the, the Jim Beheim plan, I, I would say. But I do think the Duke, the Duke plan is smart, and I think that's the way that he's going to do it. At the end of the day, I think that Jim Beheim is in that classification of 1 in 100, so make it 2 in 100 uh, for, for Jim because that to me just makes everything easier on everybody else. Yeah. Like, and for a guy who cares as deeply about this program, has built this program – you want to see that sustained success, and I think this is the best way of sustaining that success. The other thing is, I agree with you. I think it's the best way to go about it. I also just don't know why he was very clearly, like two or three times he's brought up this week, that conversation of Coach K being highly unusual to go about it that way. So if you hadn't heard about that quote or you didn't know anything before this week, you would think that he's definitely – shutting that down based on his comments this week. So I find it yeah. puzzling that he said that this week. I still feel like maybe it's more of a wild hack Kent Sibrood decision of when they announce it and how they feel that's best for the program. And it, I think it is best for the program if you say it before the season and it drives ticket sales for the final games. It, you know, it just makes the mm -hmm. season a little bit bigger of a deal. So yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't go about it that way. It makes too much. And here's the other thing, too. I'm wondering if he's had a conversation with Coach K about, are you happy you did it the way that you did it, too? Because they're obviously great friends. And I'm also wondering, too, has he had a conversation with Roy about it? Are you happy you did it the way that you did it? And maybe he's going to take some of the, the meat of those two conversations and turn it into his ultimate decision at yeah. the end of the day. I don't know how it's going to go down, but if I think the smart thing is to announce it beforehand, and I think the way that he will do it will be to announce it beforehand. So a couple other questions off of this that I think are interesting. One, do you think the successor knows right now? Like, do you think they picked either Red or GMAC? Because to me, hearing this news makes it seem like they may have done that. But at the same time, I feel like it's sort of unfair to have already picked one before maybe having formal interviews and a formal search. I think the successor has not been picked. And okay. here's why. Because I I think, I know you're going to disagree with me on this. I think this swings the door wide ass open for Mike Hopkins to return. I really do. Because if you were going to say the plan is in place, and if the plan is to retire at the end of next season, well, why are you hiding the timeline? That's a good point. If you're hiding the timeline, that means that there's something murky, I feel like, going on somewhere else. And you're waiting maybe for Mike Hopkins to 
step down at Washington, get fired from Washington, even though they've actually played some pretty decent basketball in the Pac-12 <laughs> yeah. lately. Quietly, Washington is, is has been an above 500 team in the Pac-12. So I don't know how it's going to end for Mike Hopkins at Washington, but it certainly felt like at a certain point this year that Mike Hopkins was a shoo-in to get fired and still might get fired at the end of the year. Then what happens? Do you bring him on staff and that is your plan all of a sudden? I just think the secretiveness of all this means that Mike Hopkins has a shot to be the next guy at Syracuse. And if you read some of the tea leaves out at Washington, I mean, there was something that I sent you the other day, how he got asked about, would you, would you consider a return to Syracuse? He was very noncommittal on Washington. Let's put it that well, way. Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, do you have his quote in front of you? Here, he, let me let I, me pull it up. I think there's two different ways to interpret it. But what I gathered from the quote, and to paraphrase before you pull it up, is just mm -hmm. he said, I'm committed to the future with this program. What I think about day-to-day -day is Washington. If you're a coach in that position, you can't totally rule out Syracuse. So you can't come out and say a phrase that might come back to bite you like, I there's no way I would leave Washington for Syracuse, but at the same time, he just sort of answered it. How every other coach in America would you just go right down the middle. In that I situation. think the way that you're, you're supposed to that answer to answer that question is I'm the head coach of Washington basketball right now. And you leave it at that. And but so isn't that what he basically said? Here's what he said. Here's what I've got the quote up. So I think about every day about getting our program, the university of Washington back to where we were two years ago. Syracuse built me, gave me the opportunity to do it here. Just so excited to get this place back to where it deserves to be. And we work daily on getting on trying to get to that. That's my focus day in and day out. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. When the question was, I also was, don't is think it's to fair Syracuse, to characterize that as he was non-committal to Washington. In I guess. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's a little unfair. Yeah. You're right. Mm -hmm. But I look, you can take it different ways. I just took that as a quote and the correct response from what every coach would take there. I think you're you're on to something maybe with the secretive stuff. Here's it's another thing. Interesting. Want another little tea leaf here that yeah. I uncorked? Um, this is from Chris Bunch a couple weeks ago. I want to say this is three or four weeks ago. Yeah, he was close to committing to Hop. He said, I really liked Coach Hopkins. I was actually going to commit there. I was thinking hard about it, but things changed overnight. But it's not like they told Chris Bunch, hey, wink, wink, Hopkins might be there in a couple years. Why not? I don't think. What if they did? Because that's the other thing with Beheim saying we don't want our our opponents in the conference to know about who the next guy is going to be and know when it's happening. We're going to have to tell recruits if that's all you care about is being honest to recruits. And if you tell a kid and his family, hey, GMAX, our next coach, hey, wink, wink, Red's taken over in a year, it's going to get out. Like the, you're kind of defeating the purpose of just doing it the formal. I just don't think you can risk telling kids here or there because Chris Bunch would gossip to his friends. And I'm not saying he shouldn't like, that's just what, what happens. Kids do. Like. Yeah. No, I mean, this is just one way I'm interpreting it. If I was, if he really liked coach hop and he says, I was going to commit there and then things changed overnight. That conversation is something that, formulates into the calculus of things changed overnight to me at least yeah it's interesting i i don't know i i still feel like hopkins is definitely third in the pecking order of g mac red hopkins and most likely and i would put red number one 
would you agree? Is it red GMAC hot for you or what's your order? In terms of what I want or what I, no, I think just like what you think will happen. I, I think this whole secretive timeline stuff at least bumps hop to two. Screw it. I'll say he's number one. I'll say wow. like, I'm going to go hop that. red GMAC. <laughs> like <laughs> I just, the, the secret how can this, they announce, of this entire... you're then he has to be gone from Washington at the end of this year. If you think it's his last year, next year, and he's announcing before the season, you but can't he's announce. also, he's also left out, open the door for maybe not announcing it at all. And if yeah. Hop goes out and has a terrible season at Washington next year, gets fired. Are the like, is the secretiveness of this plan contingent on Mike Hopkins job status? The other thing is when him and Brent X were talking about the new plan, which he says is not that new, actually. Brent oh, X is like, not so that I, new. Hasn't there well, been a plan in place well, before? This is what I'm getting to. Hang on. Coach? In the interview, I thought it was interesting that Axe was like, so there was the old plan, and Beheim just sort of laughed and was like, I mean, that, that's ancient history. Like saying <laughs> Hopkins is ancient history, you could take it as, and mm -hmm. we have to move on to a new plan, which is GMAC or Red. And, and Wild Hack before the season said, I think we've got some great in house candidates and guys that I know could be head coaches at great mm -hmm. programs. But to me, the fan base is all already assuming that means GMAC. It's probably more likely it's red than GMAC. And then I you. would put Hopkins yeah. a distant third. But I love your angle. I love your tea leaves. Searching. What about did those uh, Rick Patino tweets drum up anything for you yesterday? No. <laughs> the Maryland stuff? Yeah. I only think that would be awesome, too. but it's not happening. I don't think you got, they got bounced yesterday. Yeah. Well, we've got so much more to talk about from what Beheim said. We'll do that next week, I'm sure, because he brought up how Cole Swider might be coming back. He talked more about the man-to-man -man defense. He's just been on a bender lately of content comments. Is this so. the last year for Jim Beheim? Right. He, he's, just, <laughs> he's just disclosing where all the bodies – why are they playing man? Because I'm not the Yeah, well, don't year. ask him that after they lose by 30 to Duke. I, I don't know who the reporter was that asked that, but props to them, honestly, for having the courage to ask that question. That it's is just, some what Ron they Harper they big get? balls like, dancing right there. Like He, he was just going to announce it after a game. Like, you know what? I'm glad you brought it up. Yep. I've been meaning man to get to this man. off my chest. I'm done. <laughs> like, it just was never going to – I don't know what the point of asking that question was, but – Anyway, uh, we'll dive into Miami in a little bit, get you to Bundo's digits because we do got to talk about that game. But we will uh, discuss our picks for the game. We get that from betonline.net. The line isn't out just yet, so we'll get you the Ken Palm number in a little bit. But speaking of betonline.net, football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. It remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about their trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's kick it to Anthony DeBundo before we get into our picks here. He's got a great breakdown of Miami, the analytics behind it, gives his take on the game, and a little bit more. Here's our friend, Anthony DeBundo. The numbers you need to know. 
Anthony DeBundo breaks down the biggest stats for this week's Syracuse matchup. DeBundo's digits. On the Locked On Syracuse podcast. The biggest key in this entire game is preventing Miami from getting out in transition. The Canes are first in the entire country in transition shot quality offense. They are lethal in the open floor. They have a lot of ball handlers, a lot of guys who can run and attack the rim. Neither offense turns the ball over much, but both rank in the top three in the conference at protecting the ball offensively. So it's whether or not they can really turn over Syracuse that's going to make a big impact here. If you take care of the ball and you make Miami run its offense in the half court, they're still good, but they're not nearly as elite. They're just 76th in half court shot quality. That's a major reason that they try to run as much as possible offensively. Miami is first in the entire ACC at defensive turnover forced rate, which makes Joe Girard Syracuse's most important player in this game, in my opinion. If he's making mistakes, Miami can run. There's a world where this gets ugly quickly for Syracuse. With that being said, the other problem for the Orange, they no longer have a significant matchup edge on the interior against the Canes without Jesse Edwards. Edwards scored 23 points on 10 of 13 shooting in the first meeting. It's because Miami's defense is really, really, really bad at protecting the rim. Per Haslam metrics, they are 335th in field goal defense at the rim this season, one of the worst in all of the country and especially in the Power 5 conferences. Frank and Barama have the potential for a big game here. If Syracuse can get one of them going, they're probably going to need that to keep pace with Miami's very good offense. The Orange made 17 threes and 53% of those threes in the first meeting in Miami in January and still came up short in that game. Miami does have some serious rebounding issues at both ends of the floor. Don't expect Syracuse to have issues grabbing boards like they have in the last three games but it also allows a ton of high-quality threes. Shot quality rates them as one of the worst catch-and-shoot three-point defenses in the entire country, too. They've been a bit lucky to have their 20-9 record they currently have. Shot quality projects them a little closer to 18-11. and They've got a pretty good record in close games as well, including the win over Syracuse. Don't expect a lot of bench minutes for either team in this game. Miami also among the bottom 15 in usage of bench minutes. They're 346th. Syracuse 356 out of 358. Not a lot of bench here. Bartorvik projects Syracuse as a three-point favorite. Shot quality has Syracuse as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Ken Palm has it about one. I'm expecting the market to come in right around those numbers, around two-point favorite. These two teams actually have pretty similar profiles. Neither guard or rebound the other team well. Both can shoot at an elite rate. Both protect the ball well offensively. This game comes down to one major strength that Miami has that Syracuse really doesn't, and it's turning over opponents. The Orange do not force a lot of turnovers. Miami does. They're one of the best in the ACC. How well Miami is able to turn over Syracuse goes a long way towards deciding this game. And for Syracuse, they either need to win Saturday or else they're going to need two wins in the ACC tournament, which will include beating Duke if they want to avoid the first losing season in the Jim Beheim era. The opponent in matchup is already confirmed Wednesday at noon against Florida State in Brooklyn. I'll be there. Hope to see some of you guys there as well. All right. Thanks to DeBundo. As always, follow his work at the Action Network. Get the Action Network app. You can tail his picks, his bets that he logs in the app there. Also follow him on Twitter at Anthony DeBundo. He will be at, as he said, the Brooklyn ACC tournament game. So maybe we'll get a live report from him before he goes to that game next week, which we know is officially against Florida State, as he mentioned. The other thing that he mentioned there is the line not out yet on betonline.net, but he said the Ken Palm number, which is Syracuse 80 to 79 winners right now is what they're projecting over Miami. 
where do you lean on this matchup? I think part of me feels like on senior day, Buddy in the Dome, Jimmy should be a pretty big crowd. This is a game that coming off a good performance against UNC, they should win. But I also am worried they're down to literally six guys. I mean, Barama is your only bench player at this point. John Bull, I know he missed the last game. I'm assuming he'll be back, but Saimir is definitely out. Benny's definitely out. And Jesse, who was so good in the last game, like DeBundo mentioned, is also not out. And that's where they could maybe have exploited Miami. I'm wondering, too, like, Barama's going to start this game, too, just because it's a senior day thing, I'd imagine, right? I don't know. Does Beheim usually do that? I feel like he just will roll with Well, Frank. think about it from this from this angle, too. Who's played better lately? Well, Barama, but he scoffed at the notion of Barama starting whatever, two or three press conferences ago. I mean, I, if there's a game you're going to start him, I, I think you have to do it here. Like, I, It'd be I, cool. I, I'd be for it. I just don't know I think, if it's happening. Yeah, we'll see. But I, I'd imagine that Barama probably gets the bulk of minutes, too, just the way that every, both guys have been playing so far. Um, in terms of where I sit on the game, both of these teams are thin, by the way. Like, Miami yeah. just flat out doesn't play a lot of guys either. So they're only going to play seven or so guys. So I, I don't think depth is going to ultimately decide this game per se, but I look at Syracuse and I think this game's probably going to come down to star power. Who, who star power is going to overwhelm? Is it going to be Buddy Beheim on one side or is it going to be Charlie Moore or Isaiah Wong on the other side? And th this could be the last time Buddy plays a meaningful game in the dome. It could. And I think that means something to him. I think it means something to Jimmy Beheim as well. So I'll lean Syracuse on this one, plus the revenge factor too. I mean, they probably feel like they should have had that game. We're up double mm -hmm. digits at one point against Miami. So I'll go Syracuse to win this game. They usually play yeah. well in the final home game of the season too. Yeah, I feel like you're on to something there. I think I will take Syracuse, especially at just one. I was expecting it to be more in the neighborhood of two or three, which might actually end up being the closing betonline.net number. But based on what we're seeing from Ken Palm here, Miami does have a lot to play for. If they lose this game and maybe they lose their first game in the ACC tournament, I think all of a sudden they are really sweating on Selection Sunday. But as of right now, they're in. And if they go on the road and pick up what will be a quad two win for them, that kind of solidifies them being in probably for good. It's a very solid, very veteran late in Miami team that I think has legit aspirations and maybe doing something in the ACC tournament. Like I'm not low on Miami, but they're kind of just Syracuse just a little bit better. They, they just have shot it more consistently and they don't really have an interior option. Syracuse did have that with Jesse Edwards. So the fact that we don't have Jesse, I think, is sort of the deal breaker. Last time, Jesse scored 23 points against them. Right. And I'm not saying Brahma's capable of scoring 23. I don't. But, but maybe I think Frank he could bounces back, too. I mean, right. if it could starts, be one of those. Right. Yeah. It, it certainly could be be one of those sort of games. So, listen, I, I think, too, you, you brought up the, the notion of I think it's similar in a sense to what UNC was facing last game. Yeah. But. Syracuse still played as if Syracuse plays as well as they did against UNC against Miami, Syracuse is going to win the basketball game. Yeah, I, agree. I, I feel pretty good about that, especially on your home floor too. The one difference I see between Miami and Syracuse, I agree. They're pretty similar teams at the moment, but Miami has a much better point guard situation right now. And right. with Charlie Moore versus the Joe Girard experience, it, it is 
certainly something that could alter the game too. Like if Charlie Moore is hitting 30 footers, you're probably SOL. But yeah. if he's not, then yeah, you, you're certainly going to be in the ball game. I'll take the over to 159 set on Kempon. That's a really high number, but I think both of these defenses aren't very good. I'll take the under okay. high number second time around. Although you are yeah. missing some really key defensive pieces for Syracuse, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know yeah. how key I'll... they are. I mean, they just don't play a whole lot. That's the thing with Saimir yeah. and Benny. It's it right. doesn't really change the second half lineup at all. Right. Them. It yeah. just is a little breather here or there in the first half for the most yeah, part. I'll, I'll go under. Game. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. go under just, and it's not a, it's not an, I think the offenses are going to, the offenses can play well in this game and still go under. So yeah, I'll, I'll right. ride it like that. All right. We'll get out of here. Lots to get to next week. We'll recap this game. Of course, we'll get you guys ready for the ACC tournament, which is first game on Wednesday next week. And a lot more to get to on this Jim Beheim comment content spree i'm sure he'll probably have more comments to say based on how things have been going so thanks for listening subscribe wherever you get your podcast or on youtube if you haven't already and we'll talk to you guys next week mm-hmm.